Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor of Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And today, also joining us, is our student pastor, Joel Kelly. Thank you for joining us, Joel. I'm back. He's back. And he uh, filled in for Darren and I this week and uh, uh, continuing our sermon series, Summer of Psalms, How to Pray When, and specifically, How to Pray When You've Experienced the Pit, taken from Psalms, technically, Psalm 116. There you go. 116. And uh, yeah, Darren and I had a chance to get away this weekend to Wyoming and f- breathe some fresh mountain air. It was amazing. And back home, Joel was holding down the fort with the rest of our staff. Um, and thankfully, I mean, we have we have a staff that, that can just make it happen when the other half of our staff is gone, right? Because we're in the summer, and so there's, there's travel and vacation, and so we're all kind of covering each other. Oh, for sure. And specifically, though, this next week, half of our staff will be joining you to Let's Panama City Beach where you're taking 90 people 90 bodies for church camp. Yes sir. You're a brave man. <laughs> uh I hear that a lot, you know. I mean, I'm we're actually really excited about it. We've done a lot of work in preparation for it. So, last year was a nightmare. We did not prepare enough, but this year we feel really good about it. This year we feel really good about <laughs> You've it. You've learned some lessons. Oh man, you got to have bad trips to get good ones. It's, yeah, you failed. We... You failed forward. It's like, yeah, it wasn't a mistake. It was. A, it was a lesson. <laughs> What's the over under on the number of teens, or maybe just one? I, I don't know. What's the over under on how many teens are going to get sent home? <laughs> oh man! Um, like is there's... there a betting pool for this? <laughs> um, yes, there is actually. No, uh, we. It's probably a good ten kids. That'll, you think 10? I don't know if they'll actually get sent home. I think they'll be the, threatened. The threat of being sent for home. For sure. I mean, when you have that many middle school and high schoolers on the beach, um, and and just with with the, with the how many are at this camp? This, this, uh, um, so this previously, camp. I don't know. Their numbers must have changed since COVID, COVID but um, last time we went, it was 1,200. So you got 1,000-plus yeah. kids. Um, dude, it's going to be so much fun. You guys are going to have a blast. It's going to be bonkers. So you're talking about preparations logistically, of course, but what are your mental preparations right now? Are you like over there doing yoga and deep <laughs> some ayahuasca? Uh, oh, man. Mikhail and I have been hitting the gym real hard. I don't know also, what it is, but our teens, man, are all jacked. They're all That's why you guys are in the gym. Oh, yeah. Trying to keep up. Me and oh. Steve Adams, he's one of our youth leaders, uh, we have a, a joke that literally it's like you do everything in your power not to get made fun of. By these teens because they are just ruthless, get roasted. Yeah. Oh God. yeah, ruthless. So Steve has been in the gym ruthlessly as well, and every time our teens are taking off, off their shirt, I'm taking mine off. Operation Beach. I'm Club. like, you ain't bigger than me, boy. I noticed, yeah. like, as I walked in the other day, your triceps, you like, you're, there's some progress in that. There is. Like, there you, is. you just one of those moves. Like, yeah, there's a tricep that just bumped up there. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so true story. My son, who is one of those, uh, our our chicken budget is like insane right Your now. Your chicken budget, because it's protein, man. Oh, kids man. just pounding protein. And he said, uh, he just sort of, sort of, like in passing, he said, "Yeah, I don't even know why I'm doing all this because the only people that ever really say anything are just other guys." 
<laughs> it's true. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do this That's for girls, but he's not like, the result. <laughs> he's going. Girls don't it. get girls; they get boys. Yeah. Well, there you go. So he <laughs> and, he's, and he's not in the market for that. So he, um, yeah, it's true. He he made the comment, and it was it was like when you're 16, you just sort of have like an epiphany. So he didn't realize how hilarious, but the, his little profound moment was. I, was like, I don't know why I'm doing all this because well, he also picked a terrible time to uh, to protein up you know, with the cost of eggs and chicken right now. Are Dude, it's double. insane. The kid and he just eats. Oh, I'm sorry. Like a sh- I mean, like it's a shovel. I, I I don't know how many times a day he'll open the fridge and say, "This, oh, what am I going to eat?" Mm. Like well, I don't know because there's nothing left. Like we've been at Costco again. Yeah, we need to get like some meat chickens out on the back of Buford's property or something so we can keep him. Dude, yogurt, right. tubs of yogurt, high protein. Oh, so funny story, dude. When we were uh, at this Wyoming retreat, and we had some guys up there, you know, some like CrossFit people, whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I went back to the kitchen to ask the guy, hey, man, can we get a, just a little bit more yogurt? We're almost, and, and the, the little guy he goes, you guys are going through so much <laughs> yogurt. I can't keep, I've never seen anything like it. I noticed uh, that. It was like, I didn't realize it, but he was like genuinely like, they don't, like normally I guess it's a bunch of tubby dudes up there or whatever, so they, <laughs> but they were uh, I mean, like me, but uh, but yeah, they were just pounding the yogurt. Yeah. So there you go. Cody put me on it. Cody Cawthon, he's our security director. Dude is a monster. He's Magilla Gorilla, yeah. dude. And he'll eat a gallon tub of yogurt every day. <laughs> I mean, while that might be great for his um, muscles. It's so much yogurt. It cannot be good for his intestines. <laughs> I don't know. I, he does I don't, it. I'm not. I'm not aware. He does it. I'm not sure on my biology there, but that's a lot. That's a lot. Well, now we know. So you're going to look shredded. So this your 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 that's your preparation. Is that really what the preparation? is? Yeah, for? I mean, well, that and no, we've been we've been meeting with our <laughs> seriously. We've been meeting with our leaders um, pretty consistently this year. Uh, this is a new thing we've implemented, and we've been given rundowns on students where they're at and, and what to expect. Yeah. Um, that way we can really cover our bases. Uh, we're bringing less than the recommended amount for leaders just because of space. Um, but our, I'm really confident in our leaders. I'm confident in our preparation. So, Yeah, I mean, you guys are dealing with stuff that, that if, if parents are listening and actually having conversations with their kids, know that this there's like, like it's intense stuff it happening in, in the teen culture right now. And, you know, I, I'm, it's above my pay grade in many ways as far as uh, dealing and digging in deep with, you know, they're getting everything from gender fluidity, right, mm-hmm. to manifesting to, I mean, it's a little, like every different angle possible of being, dis- of how TikTok can disciple you. Mm-hmm. So, for I mean, sure. respect to you guys for it. And, you know, one of the benefits of having you speak on a Sunday is, you know, in a church like our size, so in the olden days, they threw the youth pastor up there. Uh, like just throw them to the wolves, and and this is a true story. I had a pastor tell me this once of a mega church, and I, I'm not gonna say his name. Um, he said, you know, you gotta you gotta throw like the youth pastor up there every once in a while, or throw. So that way, when you're gone, they'll uh, they'll they'll appreciate what they had when you get back. Oh man, true story. Mega church guy. Like what you do? What like you say? Yeah, they get somebody up there. So they, if they're not very good, then you know they'll actually miss you. Um, that did not happen. When you yeah. spoke, like that's not, it wasn't the goal, by the way, number one, <laughs> uh, the goal was let our parents, let everybody hear what, you know, we've got somebody with our teenagers that actually, uh, hmm. that they want their kids to be with. And did you have some, uh, this is the whole point of this. Did you have some, uh, parents coming up saying, Hey, uh, 
tell us about youth group. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, I had several people come up yeah. to us um, expressing just a sheer thanks of just like the things that we're doing. Um, there's there's a lot uh, with the technolo- technology age that we're in that parents can't even keep up with the kids. We talked about this last time I was on this podcast. It's 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 a playground, but it's it's kind of like the Wild West, mm-hmm. and parents are generally five to seven years behind the curve. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the students are dealing with things that even their parents don't know. Yeah. Um, even things I don't know, because uh, I'm behind. But we do try to, as much as possible, um, you used to say this phrase all the time, skate to the puck on issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has really been a philosophy for us, especially with teenagers. We try to um, get to the puck before the world does. Yeah. Because a lot of the issues that they're facing, either... TikTok's going to shape it and shape mm-hmm. their their stance and their worldview of it, or we can shape it and give them a biblical stance and worldview of yeah. it. And so that's really what we tried to do, um, even with our mini series. Right now, we're going through mental health, um, which has been a huge, huge, huge eye opener for us. Um, we've done it before, but just with mental health in, in today's, I mean, it cha- it's ever changing. It's an ever changing yeah. landscape, and so it, it's just been. And one of the things that I appreciate too, with like that topic or, well, Islam right on deeper, um, is that a lot of parents. If there's one thing that I wish that parents knew, was how young this is actually they're it's actually getting to their children. Yeah. So there sure. are, there are many parents, and if you're listening right now, this is not a judgment on you, but you're waiting. Uh, they're not old enough to know this yet. They're not old enough to have this conversation mm-hmm. yet. Oh, I get that all of the time. Yeah. And I promise you this, that there was a time when maybe that was true, but the problem with that idea is then someone's going to beat you to it. Yep. Um, and so if, if we're not having that conversation with them, then someone, they skated to the puck. And so by the time we're having that conversation, we are now undoing what something's happening as opposed to helping form a worldview. Yep. And, and so, then also to that, if they if we get beat, shame's already in the, in the equation. Shame is is drowning our teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of open some eyes to parents, and this is kind of the standard we hold, the average age of exposure to pornography for a teenager, but guy or girl, is eight. Yeah, that's same. not even a teenager. That's a kid. Yeah. Eight years old is America's standard. And so it's like in, in any issue, right? Yeah. It's not just pornography that we, we try to face. In any issue, if pornography is getting to them, that means everything else is. Yeah, because yeah, we, I mean... When, when I was a kid, and I, I, most of the people that are listening to this are probably going to be in your 30s, 40s, whatever. Like our first, you know, exposure to any of that would have been either like our, but maybe our neighbor had, you know, the, the movie channel or, yeah. or, and I don't know what it was about the small towns, but there was always some guy's stash in the woods of, of naughty magazines. Like, mm-hmm. like almost everybody that I know my age, they will tell the story of, yeah, I came out, there was like a stash of magazines. So, so I don't know who you guys were that were out there putting your magazines in the woods. <laughs> like, now that I look back on it, I'm like, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, but that's, we had, but now. You had to work for it. We had to work for it. Yeah. I had to stumble on it in the woods for crying out loud. And now it's literally coming for our children. By the way, I did not know that. Eight years old. Eight years old. I mean, eight. It's a national standard. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I I think it's good to know, too, for parents that, you know, they're up against billions of dollars of marketing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In corporations that are forcing um, ideological frameworks upon the culture. 
And so to think that um, that we can um, stave that off mm-hmm. um, on our own, um, it's kind of a fool's errand and that we do need a community. We, ne- we do need each other mm-hmm. um, to uh, to help protect protect the kids, protect the flock. Yep. Um, and it's, it's really a team effort. And so we're super grateful for what you and Michaela are doing to bring things to the forefront that are hard conversations, for sure. that are uncomfortable conversations. But um, we do feel like it's part of our role as, as shepherds to quote unquote skate to the puck on these issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you t- tell the story, you don't obviously no, no names, but like in the last two years, like one of the young guys who was like fifth and sixth grade, you know, was like an, uh, by the way, Christian family, lovely family, mm-hmm. but his identity was like atheist, right? Like he yep. was, and you guys were talking, you know, Islam, this and that, but, but there, the, so that's sixth grade, you know, the, in the olden days we were able to wait till college before we started apologetic stuff. Definitely. But tell like, what, what has that been like? Like say, I don't know if you can use him specifically as, as an example of like the challenge of a young guy, a young girl right now in being discipled in the culture, discipled in their schools and with their friends. Yeah. And what you guys are up against with that. Yeah, I mean, it really started with a conversation that we had in our our deeper class, which is our Sunday school um, session that we do every morning, uh, Sunday morning, uh, with our middle schoolers. Uh, and we were talking about LGBTQ, uh, specifically. Um, and they were asking questions, they were throwing out different things, and coexe- coexist kept coming up as a, a point of question, and, and the, the idea of love, like what is true biblical love in a, in a scenario to where you have a friend who's LGBTQ. Um, and we started talking about it and this kid was grilling me. And he, I mean, he had it all right. He was, he was asking like, well, is that true biblical love to separate or to tell them the truth? Of, sixth grade. Yeah. Sixth grade. Okay. Just want to make sure sixth we grade. don't forget that. He's a, he was 11 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, we were going back and forth. And I, I realized in that conversation that their worldview was already shaped and formed by what their teachers or what their classmates are communicating to where this idea of coexist was already embedded. Meaning that I can have my worldview, you can have your worldview, and both are true, right? And mm-hmm. both are fine for us. Right. And that is, I mean, we know as, as shepherds and pastors, like that's not the case. Yes, there's other worldviews out there, but there's one truth. Um, and it's Jesus. And so we, we begin to ask the question of questions with our teens, specifically our middle schoolers, sixth through tw- uh, eighth grade, gra- eighth graders, um, questions about worldviews. Like what is biblical worldview? What is, um, philosophy? What are these things that we, we take and use to shape and form our identity one, but two, how we operate and communicate in the community around us right. is really the idea of it. And so we decided, um, with the middle schoolers, they wanted to do it as well. Uh, we just st- decided to go through a, a series of um, world religion because they they have uh, they have general concepts, but there's never been an in-depth dive into the reasons why people who are way smarter than they are, mm-hmm. way smarter than me, believe in what we would call as a church a, fi- a false belief. Right. And so they're hung up on the fact that, okay, this guy over here who's a Muslim, has a PhD, is talking about the truth of Allah and the truth of Muhammad and that he's holding it to a standard in which I can't even begin to debate with him, mm-hmm. yet he believes it's true. And so where's that hang up? Where's the difference? How can I defend my faith from an apologetic standpoint and be able to have those types of conversations? These are middle schoolers. Yeah. And what I'm so 
proud of is, first of all, you're 27. Yes, sir. Okay. Like when I was 27, I was like slinging rock bands. Uh, you know, I was married by that point, but like where you and Michaela are, is like light years ahead of where I was at that age, as far as like your depth of knowledge of systematic theology, and like you know, mm. you're like the unicorn that. Like I, when I'm talking with other pastors and they're saying like you know uh, hey, where, where do we find a youth pastor? You, you guys got ideas where I can a youth pastor? I hear that all the time and I'm like gosh I I, I don't, mm. um, because when I think of what the youth pastor standard and I know there are great ones out there by the way but I just you guys like you are the standard in my mind right now and I it's I don't wow. there are not a, a lot of them out there that are, um, because we so we had it like on this trip I had Ethan with me on this trip, um. And James uh, Cameron, a friend of mine's son, was with us. And, uh, you know, he's 19 years old, and he's looking at a bunch of old codgers like us. Yep. Um, there's a gap between that. So you guys are closer, way closer in age to them. Uh, but I remember being 18 and but thinking you guys were like your age now. I mean, good Lord, the first mission trip I went on was with this guy named Ron Luce, and he was like 24 years old. I thought he was like a grown-up, right? <laughs> yeah, for point, sure. Right? But he wasn't. He was, But he, anyway, he didn't feel out of reach. So you guys are closer to their age, and to be able to— communicate that kind of truth with them to again skate to the puck to the idea that because it's coming for them oh yeah at some point and by the way like something that i've noticed in just the last couple of years the, the you know the secular progressive movement has obviously been very strong but there's this whole other movement out there that is gained an enormous amount of traction i don't even has a word yet but it's like a world religion like so to be spiritual is actually yeah, becoming cool. I, I have friends that are. Oh yeah. Um, th- th- so they they don't they don't not believe in God, but they believe in this other thing. So like the Richard Dawkins movement is still out there, but this other one. So whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, mm-hmm. or in in the Christianity, it's the the Richard Rohr movement of Christ consciousness, which is basically Buddhism with Jesus's face on it. Um, oh yeah. S- uh, syncretism is 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 what it's called now okay um, and that's what uh, barna was referring to Syncreti- what's it called syncretism syncretism hmm. it's the belief that multiple religions um they take elements of each all the world religions they kind of take a piece of each yeah. one yeah. to form a a coexistent world view interesting and that is the leading the primary um religion that is that is being presented in these uh, Barnapoles for what uh, wow. the youth are, hold wow. to uh, above Christianity or above um, anything else is, is this yeah. idea of syncretism. So, and, yeah, that's funny because obviously anecdotally we're experiencing that on the local level. Uh, anecdotally we're experiencing that even in our, our art and creative community here in Nashville. And and it's wild because so to say that, you know, this can be true and that like there, you know, there is no real truth. There's all these different truths that actually is its own truth. So it's like to say that there is no truth is its own truth. So it's literally it's an impossible statement. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about with our teens is like every single person that has a worldview, whether religious or spiritual or manifesting or fill in the blank is making a truth claim. That's what they're doing. And truth claims are exclusive. That means that what they say excludes other people. And that's what we're referring to with Jesus, with Muhammad, with Buddha, with mm-hmm. uh, the avatars of Hinduism. Like we're, we're looking at all of those things and saying that these people are making a truth claim. What is that truth claim? So to identify what's the truth of which they're going after. And then also we're examining how are they backing it up? 
yeah. because everybody's making truth claims nowadays. And how do you how do you back that up? Because for me, if you don't give evidence to back up and support your truth claim, then you're just waxing eloquent. Yeah. Like you're not you're not you're just, just blowing a, off smoke. A, a confident and, opinion. Yeah, and, with, and that's why we're we, we're referring back to Jesus with everything because Jesus made truth claims, right? Mm. Yeah, way, John fourteen six. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's a truth claim, mm. meaning that it excludes other world religions, other world views, yeah. right? And so then how does Jesus back that up? Well, the way he lived, the way he taught, the way he died, he died loving and forgiving his enemies, right? And so like those are all evidence he lived a sinless life, evidences to back up the claim of truth that yeah. he made. And not the least of which is his resurrection, right? He yeah. said, I'm going to prove that I am who I said I was because I'm going to die and resurrect. And then he did. Exactly. Right? If everybody, if anybody makes that claim and then they do it, you you better you might want to at least listen to what they're, they're yeah. saying because that's a that's a neat little pony. Yeah, and, w- and what I tell my what we tell our middle schoolers is like two plus two is four. If someone believes it's five, they're wrong. Like there is truth. Now a person can say and try to back up that two plus two is equals five, but as long if they believe it and then over here two plus two is four all day long twice on Tuesday. That's truth. You can believe it's five, but that doesn't make it truth. Yeah. Right? And so that's what we keep referring back to. You know, so one of, so you're 27, and what was, when? so you decided to cover Psalm 116. I did. Um, <laughs> as we thinking about the summer and praying through the Psalms, and one of the things that was so appropriate for you to be the one to cover Psalm 116 was Psalm 116 is about, near-death experiences. Well, I've had quite a few. Yeah, that's like at 27, you've had uh, more than most will have in their entire life. It's true. So, okay, well, uh, that seems like the proper one for Joel (laughs) (laughs) to cover. Um, And and it was, I mean, it was great. We, I mean, so we we were completely out of cell phone service um, Mm -hmm. at all, and there's no internet. But the first messages that started popping up on my screen uh, coming out the other side was, uh, oh, man, Joel did such a great job. Mm. You know, and, and my, my wife, who is my biggest uh, critic. Um, Same. Oh, man, all right. Not your wife, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, well, Michaela's mine, too. Though, so that's <laughs> um, that, uh, she was like, man, Joel just did such a great job. He's really encouraging and challenging. Mm. And, and then it's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And, and my, like people that don't normally message me, by the way, like yeah. people that don't normally, yeah. like I've never gotten a props from them. Um, but so they, you, you definitely struck uh, a, a heart nerve, right, in a good way. What yeah. was it, the, the overarching theme that you felt like the, the Lord had drawn you to that? Um, yeah, it's, it's the idea with parents. I have had a lot of conversation with parents. And for me, my angle is always teens. Uh, it just is. But I've had a lot of conversation with parents about issues that they're having with kids, that they're just struggling. They don't think the kid's going to make it out to the other side. And y- y'all, my story is a redemption story. Um, I was the kid that you thought would have been dead in prison or just an absolute atheist and menace and terror to society. Like that is my story. And so I wanted to communicate one to, to encourage parents that like God is faithful. Like he is good. He is, he redeems all things and can redeem all things. And, and sometimes part of this story and part of the pit is really what I was trying to express is, is understanding that that is the place where we are most vulnerable Mm. 
but it's also the place where God meets us. Mm. It's all the pl- also the place that's necessary for God to bring us to, to show us his compassion, to yeah. show us his goodness. And that even if we don't feel like it, he is there. He is answering our prayers. He is walking with us. Um, and so that's really kind of the concept I wanted to, to really chase down and, and um, talk about, to encourage, like, whether you feel like it or you don't, God is, God is good. He is faithful. He is righteous. He is full of grace, full of mercy and compassion. Which is when you like lead out the first verse, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer yeah. for mercy. Like the, I mean, it was like, you kind of opened up with that statement, you know, how many of you had answered prayer yeah. in this and so I couldn't see from the camera. Angle. Oh, it was every single hand. Yeah. Every single hand in the room. One of the things that somebody pointed out to me that you said that was, uh, and they sent me like the paraphrase, but even the fact that he listens to the prayer, like yeah, even that alone is this great grace and mercy. That was a really strong truth for us to hear, for me to hear. Like, oh, that's true. The answer is awesome, but just the fact that he hears it is yeah. his own grace and mercy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that really like is a big pivotal thing in my life. Um, coming from a pretty arrogant, uh, place in my, in my teen years thinking I was the hottest thing to ever touch the planet. Like I needed to realize in, in, um, humility that y'all like God listening to you, just listening is insane. Like it blows my mind every time I think about it. Hmm. Like the creator of the universe listens to me a person who isn't deserving i don't deserve grace i don't deserve mercy i I deserve what i have reaped and and yet in that he is showing compassion he's showing love to people who turn their back against god blatantly all of the time Mm. and that has been like a formative truth in my life because it's it's really the understanding that's like I need to get my head out of the sand and realize how really ugly my heart is, how deep the wickedness inside of my soul is. And there's a quote by Billy Graham that I love. And it's the closer you get to Jesus, the more you feel like a sinner. Mm. The closer you, and it's the same, it's the Paul story. Like Paul goes from, I was a Pharisee, I was in the highest places to I'm the worst of all sinners. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is true. It's like, you need to understand that. You are sinful. You have turned your back on God, and yet him listening to you, is, it just blows my mind. I love that you brought Roman into that a little bit, like mm-hmm. just the father-son figure. Yeah. And because um, I remember when, when my first son was born and thinking, and when they, you know, they hand him to you <laughs> and uh, for the first time, and it's like, you know, you look at this little nugget, and you're like, there's nothing he could ever do. He could be an axe-wielding murderer. For sure. He could be, you know, the grand theft auto king. Like, you know, he could he could just be total menace, like you said. Yeah. But there's nothing that he could ever do for me to not love him. Yeah. Forgive him. For sure. And uh, I remember thinking that. And so this this picture, even in... In the psalm, where it says he inclines his ear, he bends his ear, yeah. and you kind of describe that with like your relationship with Roman. And it's just there's a that's a powerful word picture to know that our Father kind of leans into yeah. us as His children. Yeah, it's active; it's not passive, and that's 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 something that you know for me um, really struck a heart chord because um, I was I was really diving into really what this meant. Like, so Psalms, all of it 
really Hebrew poetry in general, they start out with the point. Uh, they start out with the payoff, right? And whereas for us, we tell our story, and then at the end is the payoff. They start with the point in, in order to get their soul to really praise. Um, and I know for me, like this idea that I love the Lord for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy. It was just like, dude, I've, I've really struggled in my life with people listening to me. And to the point where um, just my personality, I now suppress because people have taught me that I'm not worth their time. So you and isolate and pull so back. So you isolate and pull back. But the reality is, is like in that pulling back, I'm not really being vulnerable. I'm not really being true to myself. But I have a God who regardless will listen and hear me, which has just been life-giving. Hmm. It's, it's not passive. He's not like a God that's way up there in the sky that is gone or unreachable. Uh, He is personal. He is, he's walking with me. You talked about your longboard experience. (sighs) That was your kind of near death. Yeah. Where you're, you're, you're bombing a hill on a longboard with no regard for who may be coming up the hill. I mean, that's kind of an important part of the the equation when doing such things. Mistakes were made. Verse 6, right? God protects the unwary, (laughs) 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 which is, uh, I think, when it's translated like the childlike faith, but it's actually, uh, the the actual idea of the Hebrew word is like idiots. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God has mercy on idiots. Which is funny because David's saying this, right? And David's Uh the biggest, or or Hezekiah, they're both big idiots. I liked your case for David, by the way, but yeah, either way, a couple of idiots you know, yeah you know which god loves idiots like me right <laughs> do you have a near-death uh, uh experience uh darren like a, mm-hmm. th- where you almost bit it oh yeah multiple um the first one that i remember actually because it made me think about it was i got hit by a car in guatemala city when oh, i was no. 16 years old really uh-huh in a different country? Uh-huh. Oh my word. Yeah. That's I, way worse. Like one of those like where you see <laughs> where you see like where the guy steps out in front of a car in slow motion and try to get the insurance claim? Uh <laughs> yeah, but they don't have insurance in Guatemala. So <laughs> okay, kind of, so that fun. that wouldn't have worked. No, it was it was way dumber than that. It was um I walked cuz you know it is the pedestrian does not have the right of way in in a country like that. And No. And so we're out on a little trip, and I, there was like, uh, so in Guatemala, it's amazing. Any of us made it out alive, honestly. Um, we um, uh, were with like two or th- three teenagers, and then our, our college leader. So it would have been like having like a, a 19-year-old with a bunch of 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. And so anyway, I, w- I'm just, I just took a step out into traffic, and I saw the car coming, and it was just too late. And for whatever reason, I jumped. Like you, like you're supposed to do, in that, yep. but I don't know why I did it, but I did, and I just boom, boom, boom and I literally rolled over the top really? and back onto the ground. That was a good reaction because most people don't. Yeah, you, you end so up you, under the car. Yeah, and your femur sticking out of your pant leg. Yeah, um, good instincts. My, that happened to my brother when I was in sixth grade. Oh. But anyway, um, and I'm just laying on the ground, and the Guatemalan is just cussing. You know, that's macula. Spanish. I'm sorry if you're in Spanish. Don't don't say that. <laughs> um, the um, but he's you know, he's cussing me out, you know, because again, pedestrian don't have the right of way. Yep. I mean, yeah, uh, and he just drove off, and I'm just laying there going, "Am I okay? Am I?" And I literally, so I stand up, and um, and and I didn't, I don't know that I realized the the how how bad it was, uh, until like the the college kid was like, "No, no, sit down, sit down. Can you bend your leg? Can you?" You know, he's like trying to make sure yeah. I'm not. And that was the moment of like, "Oh gosh, that that could have ended." Oh uh, yeah. Very differently. Um, Cars don't feel good. 
no. <laughs> Somewhere there's a soccer mom in a minivan that still tells the story of this kid that she plowed on a. <laughs> and I have to give her a shout out. Yo, her leaving, I would have done the same thing. Like in that moment, would you? She must have been terrified. <laughs> yeah. Terrified, a kid just went flying over her vehicle. Yeah, right, which um, parenthetically is why she. I, you wouldn't have left. I know you. You wouldn't have. Maybe left. not. Yeah, you're just being. You're trying to make her feel bad. <laughs> like that. Like that was a. That was not the right move yeah, for that true, lady. That, that was Fair a mom enough. trying not to get sued. <laughs> so in the passage, you talk about the circumstance, the testimony. Yep. Explain, explain that a little bit. The, the testimony side of this psalm. Um. It's really so. What was perplexing? Perplexing. That's not the right word. Um. Sure, perplexing. I guess it is the right word. Uh, to me, was this this him understanding where he came from to where he was going. Um, and even if it was Hezekiah here, uh, one thing that I learned in, in studying this is that in the sparing, so Hezekiah spared, right? In Isaiah 38, he's, the Lord extends his life for 15 more years. And one thing I learned, though, is that in the 15 years of his life, he gave birth to the two most evil kings of Israel, meaning that Wow. Yeah. Meaning that like even though God had mercy and grace on him, it wasn't like he gave him the extension, but in that extension of going against what was planned and prepped before, uh there's consequences, right? And and like even though those consequences existed, he had experienced a, a deep deep sense of terror and fear. Like the verse 3 is 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 really hard to express how low he went, um, unless you've actually experienced it for yourself. Um, but there's two positions held in that verse that leads to his testimonies, testimony. And and that's what I try to point out in the position part of the, the, the sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a, a personal experience and, and where it's, you have a closeness with death yourself. And two is an experience of relationship, meaning that you've experienced a closeness or death with a, a person you love. Hmm. Um, so those are the t- two expressions here. Uh, and that is why for me, when you have experienced that lowness, that pit, that distress and sorrow to where your only solution. And I love how you, I love how the Psalmist here from straight from verse three to verse four or for straight from verse four, excuse me, to verse five, he goes from, I was in desperate need of the Lord to save me. And then he goes straight to verse five. The Lord is gracious, righteous, kind, full of compassion. Mm. Like he is, he is recognizing this back and forth feeling in his emotions and his soul of like, dude, I'm low here, but I know God is good. I'm, I'm suffering here, but I know God is righteous and good and compassion. Like, like, and so it's that, that tugging and tension that we feel is often what brings us to the place of our testimony to where it's a, I love the Lord. This is my reason because even though I'm low, he brings me out of that. Hmm. Even though I'm experiencing the pit, the hardship, the cords of death, the, the entanglement around me, God is good regardless. Hmm. And, and it's not my story, it's his. Yeah, it balances it out. It's hurt, then hope. Mm-hmm. Hurt, then yeah. hope. Yeah, that's good. It's a really good lesson for us. It's good. I, I was intrigued when you brought up Hezekiah as one of the, I'd never read that. And I was like, yeah. that's really fascinating. Um, and you're right, there are commentators that believe that. And if you've been to Israel, um, and those that are going with me in February will see this, there's this place called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Yep. Um, famous for his feat of like engineering genius um, to divert water, you know, at a time of trouble. Yeah. Um, but when you walk in that tunnel, 
I mean, it's a long walk. Like, there's definitely a moment. Like, I'm leading the first time. Like, I'm like, because I'm, I'm some, you know, I'm in charge, whatever. But there's a moment like, I don't know if we're in the right place, and I don't yeah. know how to turn around, and I don't know if we should turn around, and like, and it, then it just keeps going and going, and then eventually, right, you see the light on the other side of yeah. it, and there's this, I don't know, I was as you were teaching, and I was on a plane, uh, listening, and I'm thinking, oh, there's such a picture of Hezekiah's tunnel of like the dark. Wow. dark yeah. time and you just have to keep moving because mm-hmm. you know if I, I mean, otherwise I'd still be in Hezekiah's tunnel right like yeah. but God uh, on the other side of that was was um, and this is what jumped out at me it was made as a source of water for the city yeah um, to get you know to take water away from the evil and put water in so you know pushing on the other side of that tunnel was is was water hmm. um, for the city and life and so yeah into the tunnel on the other side is life and you know you did such a great job of like even telling that in your own story yeah of god having mercy on you um for sure like when you think now with that i mean first of all let me ask i meant to ask you this at the beginning how diff like what what's the major difference between teaching on a sunday and on, on a wednesday to adults versus students yeah like does one night feel like amateur night at the apollo <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's harder to teach to teenagers oh uh, it's teenagers you have to get their attention in the first 30 seconds or they're gone forever. Whereas adults, they at least give you the respect to where you think they're listening. At at least, at least that. (laughs) But they'll also tune back in. Like they'll come back and forth with teens. They'll look up from their phone, their Mm -hmm. stock prices or whatever. Exactly. With with, with teens, it's first 30 seconds or you're done. Um, And so you have to, you have to be witted. You have to be a good story or, or whatever where you can, it's hard to set up that way. Uh-huh. It's really hard to set up your teaching because if you don't grab their attention, then it's it's, it's over. Yeah. Um, whereas with adults, you can kind of give that path of which you're teaching, um, you can give them the overview, you can give them kind of the nitty gritty, the dirty deets, yeah. and then you can jump into the, like the, yeah. the fun stuff, the illustrations, all that kind of stuff, um, which helps you frame and, and structure your teaching. Teens, it's total opposite, yeah. total opposite. So, you know, I'm going to give you uh, my opinion on this, and this may or may not help. Uh, The the, the difference is that at least the kids are honest about it, that they're not listening. Hey, that's true. (laughs) That's good. Amen. (laughs) Like, we as adults are old enough now that we can check out without you knowing that we're checking out. Oh, yeah. Um, And so the the thing about the teenagers is you're getting pretty immediate feedback on, you know, this is not abort, abort. (laughs) This is not the way. Um, but it does make, uh, I've heard Jim Weidman, actually it was Willie George, a pastor, my pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, only 20 some years ago, 30 years ago, say that the like best pastors, uh, are former kid men or youth pastors. Hmm. Um, because you had to learn, it's like, it's an amateur night at the Apollo. Like yeah. they're like throwing stuff at you. Know? So if you can for get sure. them and then he went on to say that, you know, and for the most part, if you can make it make sense for a kid, that's what the adults needed anyway. It's true, you know. Yeah. So you know, there are you know, professorials, seminarian ideas, but most times they need it to be kind of like. So Bite it's size. like you don't need to dumb it down for the kids, but you also don't need to go, you know, seminary on the adults. Like there's a sweet spot that you and you did it. You threaded that on Sunday beautifully. Thank you. Which yeah. is uh, which, yeah, I mean, which is cool about that is I mean, Jesus, Jesus, man, he kept it simple when he taught. Yeah, he told in stories, um, and then he would just drop a question that was like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" 
Yeah. You know? But he's also deep enough to where people are studying, spending their life studying. Yeah. yeah. You know all these what I mean? Years it's later, like, it's, you know, dude, it's he was the beauty of it. I mean, obviously he's God, but yeah. he was an incredible teacher. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and by the way, part of what made him an incredible teacher is that I didn't fully appreciate until this year, honestly, was the reason that, you know, Luke or, you know, could recount a story that someone else told or Mark could from Peter, like they could remember these stories was because Jesus told them over and over and over and over. Yeah, he repeated himself a lot. Again, right? The temptation in my life is to have to have this new fresh manna, this new clever idea, oh, yeah. you, know, and to, you know. And Jesus, you know, you know, he told a, ter- he told a parable about a, a mustard seed that would fall into the ground. They'd heard it hundreds of times. Like, they knew that stuff because it was replicated and into memory for them. Yeah, with repeated. It. And so that's the... You know, on, on any given Sunday, right, we're trying to, you know, proclaim the, the gospel, proclaim the, the word of God and in, in a way that is memorable, replicable. Because the truth is, as good as your sermon was, they're going to remember 5% of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what I preached two weeks ago. It's true. Right? And I wrote the dadgum sermon. <laughs> um, but there'll be a point, like, it's like there's, um, it, the, the metaphor that I've used in the past is that uh, when you turn the hose on to get a drink, uh, I'm not worried about the water that didn't get by me because mm-hmm. the water that I got was the water that I needed. Yep. So whatever landed yeah, in me was uh, what I well, got. That's good. And so a bunch of it goes by, but then next time, you know, there'll be more water and that'll be the water I need. And so the consistency of that, and it's just, I take it back to though, you know, you, you, know you, you turned on the hose and you, you as a 27 year old really, uh, impacted not only a group of teenagers, but a group of their parents hmm. who, have all had the experience of the pit. Yeah. And if they haven't yet, they have, they're not old enough. They right? will. It's coming. They will. For it. So. For sure. Um, your vulnerability in telling the story of the, the loss of your youth pastor. Hmm. I mean, that's, that, that was heavy. I mean, that was really heavy to know that. I mean, everything surrounding that circumstance. Yeah. Right? You not being there. You not being on the bus, and if you if you've missed the story, you can go back and just scroll one episode before this one, and listen to Joel's teaching. But he shared the story of the loss of his youth pastor from a, a bus trip coming back from camp, and um, a camp that he decided not to go on. Yeah, you decided not to go on or attend. Refused, and, not and decided. Refused. Refused to go refused on. Refused. But go in on. that moment, and in that scenario and circumstance. Um, your 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 youth pastor and his wife were tragically killed, mm-hmm. um, and that that had you know that was what ten years ago, eight years ago, mm-hmm. um, nine. To be able to share that story, um, I'm sure that resonated with a lot of different people that have experienced um, tragic loss. Yeah, in, in in a time where they didn't know what to think or feel or remotely how to pray in that moment, For and sure. maybe even still today. I mean, maybe the, probably brought back some feelings um, from years ago from others that have sp- experienced tragic loss. And so in, do you still keep in touch with some, some of those folks back home? You know, I wish I did. Um, I actually, my sixth grade teacher, so it was, it was a church school. Mm-hmm. Um, the church actually had a school that was inside of it, Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And shout out, dude, like I have a lot of hurt from that church, not going to lie. But at the same time, like those people, they, they did the best they could with a person that didn't know and love Jesus. Um, and my, my sixth grade teacher, Diana Mack, Miss Mack, um, 
she reached out to me after because she heard she heard my message. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Oh, and you might have made her cry. Yeah, I was. Oh, man, that's I was incredible. To this day, I'm her favorite teacher. So um, <laughs> she's your favorite teacher, or no. you're her favorite student. I, she was my favorite teacher, and I was her favorite student. <laughs> so there was shout out to Miss Mac, yeah. man. Uh, so she reached out, um, and Dan Phelps. I, I had a conversation, or my wife had a conversation with him. And I need to. I need to. That's I know so I cool. Even even if it's just for that interaction alone, yeah, it's worth it for sure. Know, to to know sure. that 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 she can see the redemption story of Joel Kelly from all these <laughs> yeah. years later. My mom talks to all those people. Um, she still hangs or not hangs out with them, but she still talks to a lot of them. Um, so they hear it from her. Yeah, which mm. is cool. Well, you're continuing this uh, this study on Wednesdays. Um, what are you, what are you titling the the series? For your your Wednesday students, so we're, we're it's it's so profound mental health. <laughs> That's just the name of the series. Yeah, so important. What is the topic for this evening? I mean, we're, we record these on Wednesday mornings, so Joel came in early today to bust this out. But tonight you're going to be meeting and going yep. through it. Yep. So it's we're not really actually having a teaching tonight. Um, part part because I taught Sunday, part because it's camp week. Yeah. Um, so I'm in full prep mode, but we're having a discussion. Yeah. Um, and so we are having. So Michaela taught last week about body image mm-hmm. and mental health and how important physical health is and how much that plays into mental health. Um, and I really do think that's a, a huge key component to the solving the mental health crisis. And what you pointed out with with sleep, like that's a, sleep is a, like a, the number one cause or whatever for yeah. mental health issues. Um, that all plays into physical, like your body. And so this week, um, so we had a survey done uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, this is going to blow your mind. Um, 37% of our students at Reverb are struggling or have struggled with suicide. 48% have or are struggling with depression and anxiety. And so we are, we are beginning the conversation tonight with kind of trying to dismantle the stigma in, in Christianity of it's okay or it's not okay to be what's, I forget the saying it's it's okay to not be okay. Yep. We're trying to, reframe that in the church to where it's like i totally get that saying but at the same time it's it's okay to not be okay if you keep pushing forward and finding and seeking help right because if it if you say it's okay to not be okay then you're giving life to to a season where you're saying i'm just going to stay in my struggle and that's not what we're called to do. We're called to continue walking forward um and so we're going to try to give them the tools the resources and um the outlet to to express where they are but also start moving forward because there needs to be action steps in the mental health world and there never is and that's what i've learned especially with teenagers there's never like hey this is this is how you get out of this yeah it's you're in this good luck and i am so passionate about that as well because it's the idea that like what you're describing is then the okay not to be okay, actually the not okay becomes your identity then. Exactly. So I'm not, yeah. I've got this identity. And, and and by the way, people become addicted to their pain, addicted to their sadness, addicted to their, you know. 100%. Anxiety in the same way they could be addicted to something else. So that, it's like that feels safe to them. And, you know, I, I'm 80% sure that on the other end of Hezekiah's tunnel, the water was the pool of Siloam. Hmm. Wow. Which is where healings would happen. Jesus healed people there. Like there was, there was where they would come to be cleansed, to come to the temple. Um, and the water came through the tunnel to them. But if you stay in it, 
and I, I, by the way, maybe some of these kids are learning this from their from their own parents, right? Because yeah, our culture exactly. has told us that. And, and, and so, and you're probably not old, old enough to really, maybe you are to, to know this, but it's like all that is is a pendulum swing. Because there was a point in in Christianity where it wasn't okay to not be okay, so we had to pretend and to fight and to fake oh, and to yeah. you know, it's all about faith. And so, it's the other end of the yeah. Dish. So now we've swung this whole other yeah. end of where you know. Uh, it's it's so, but there's but Jesus is both, right? The discernment is that we, you know, hey, you can admit that you're struggling. That's not the problem. Uh, the the problem is if now you've made a home in the tunnel and and you're that's where your new house is. So you yeah. keep pushing to Siloam. Um, so my story is the tail end of the uh, you have to fake it to make it. Yeah, that that's that's a huge portion of my story. Um, in my life was. Just the the pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. You're okay. No one can know about your emotions, which I've had to do a lot of work. That's one ditch. The other ditch is you stay in your hurt. You stay in your your struggle. You stay in your pain. Yeah. Um, and we as a staff um, have been committed. In fact, on f- Friday of this week, um, Dr. Phil Herndon is, is spending a whole day with our, our staff and our, our leaders um, in the idea of just helping navigate those waters mm-hmm. and and the and the complexity of it, because on some we've got the uh, the it's okay not to be okay people, and on the other you got the you know faith and fake it till you make it, and yeah, uh, trying to bring it into the middle, which is Jesus for sure, you know. And it's the beautiful thing of the gospel is that the gospel allows me to believe simultaneously that I am so evil that it took the death of the Son of God to save me, sure. and that I am so loved that He did it gladly. Yeah, like there is a self. Um, care in that like a self a view of myself that is true um and it's not either ditch it's a it's both and and the love and the acceptance is there but he loves me so much that he takes me the way i am and he loves me too much to let me stay that way yeah yeah oh yeah because um, if you think about it you know i think the worst advice we can tell kids right now is you're okay just the way you are oh, like if you're in eighth grade in your life and you suck you're like, you're like this, that's the worst thing you can tell me like, oh, this is it so this is mad. all i have to look yeah. forward to is this depression and anxiety and like, yeah and terrible hey, advice yeah and that's what that's something uh oh giglio what's his first name louis, louis. careful uh yeah i know no it's okay <laughs> one thing i mean he's he's an advocate for mental health he okay, really okay, is. okay good good and honestly he's in my opinion, his sermon on men- or mental health is, is one of the best. Yeah, and he, I agree with that. He His statements that he makes is like, yeah, you cannot be okay, but you also need to understand and get yourself to understand that even though I'm not okay, Jesus is. Yeah. And there is a hope in that. And so what he says is finish the sins. I'm not okay, but finish the sins. Mm. Jesus is. Yeah. And there's a hope that you are brought out of. It's like... It's like what Jordan Jordan Peterson says, right? If you look hard enough into the darkness, you will see the light. Yeah. But you have to see the light. You have to finish the sentence, I'm not okay, but Jesus is. And what I'm proud of you guys for doing is there's there's two ways at a church to have nobody show up for an event. One, call it a prayer night. (laughs) Um, Actually, call it a prayer night for the persecuted church, and then you're really tanking it. Uh, But the other is to say we're going to have a conversation about emotional health. Oh, yeah. And, and I get it because there are parents right now, and if you're listening, um, and this is you, I'm just, I'm prayerfully asking you to prayerfully consider this, that what you, the the child that you're experiencing at home, they may not be being honest with you. You know, 
if, if we're saying half of the kids in our church are struggling with anxiety and depression, yes. that means that if you're listening to this and your kid goes to conduit on a Sunday, you have a 50-50 shot of that being yours. And yep. 100% chance, most likely, of them not having told you. And by the time they've told you, it's actually not it's not too late, but it's no, like we yeah. got a lot of work to do now. But if it, but if you've waited till then, and so I'm I would encourage you as parents to not run in fear of this, but to also not withdraw your kids from it when we're talking about it. You know, this is, you know, I get it when you t- when you pull them out of the sex talk at school. Totally understand. I don't want you know, yeah, my sixth grader being taught you know what what a public secular ed- education of that is. But from a church perspective, to deal with the emotional health of our teenagers. Please don't withdraw your kids from that. Let no. them have these conversations in a safe place where they're getting truth, where they're not just, you know, you know, they're not just throwing medication at them. It's not that sometimes there's going to be need to be maybe medication. But that's again, if you're there, then you there was a window that you missed. Yep. You know, God still loves you. No judgment on you. But, you know, those fifth, sixth, seventh graders that maybe you're withholding them, maybe reconsider that. Please allow them Please. to have these conversations now in a place where they can hear uh, what what Joel just said? Finish the sentence. Yeah. But Jesus is okay. Yeah, yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, I mean, another stat. I mean, you just rattled off that. You know, in our own church, one out of two teenagers are struggling with this. Mm-hmm. The national number uh, for adults that just came out post COVID is one out of three adults are struggling. Wow, with, with depression. That's crazy. So. We have a lot of families, Mm -hmm. um, you you know, do the math. One out of three parents are having the same struggle that one out of two students are. Yeah. And so, um, this is why we, that's why we talk about it. This is why we, um, uh, focus on these types of topics, whether it's in a a, a sermon or a teaching series or in a podcast like this. Yeah. it's good. And when I think about it from an adult perspective, I think that number is higher and here's why most, especially men don't know that they're in depression and anxiety. They actually don't like these symptoms that they're experiencing. They don't know that's what it is. We see that every time we take, so we went to Wyoming uh, with a bunch of guys who are leaders, high capacity leaders doing Mm -hmm. incredible things. And I mean, there's one guy there who is a, a former sales executive. He's leading a major national organization that fights for life for uh, the unborn. And he said, this is the, in 34 years, this is the first time I've ever done something like this for myself. Mm-hmm. And wow, I'm talking with him and, and he is a, he, I mean, this dude, he's a charge the hill guy, but he's talking about how he's not sleeping. And he's talking about this just, you know, I'm so unsatisfied and I'm so unfulfilled. And I'm so, he, he starts describing these symptoms. Like he's describing the symptoms of anxiety yeah. and depression, Yeah, but he's 56 and he doesn't know that. Wow. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to go fly fishing every time you know, to, it's not, that's not the medication for it, but you know, and even that, like you can't in three days on a weekend, can't undo 362 days of the rest of the year with it. Yeah. Um, and by the way, what is the cure? Um, I'm going to oversimplify this. So please, um, understand that I know that this is, this is more, this is way more complex, but it is as simple as the gospel, which is that the, whatever's brought you to that moment of anxiety of, of depression, is about you trying to take on a weight that you weren't meant to take. You trying yeah. to save yourself in some way, and, and not, I'm not talking about salvation from heaven. I'm talking like the giving yourself purpose and meaning. So if you're trying to Gary V it, man, and crush it, you know, you're you're trying to get yeah. that eternal, uh, the, the 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 sozo, the the fulfillment of life here. So you're trying to fake it till you make it. Like mm-hmm. it, there's a hundred ways to describe it, and it starts when you're 
seventh and eighth grade, and they, they just happen to be more aware of their feelings and more honest about them. But if we can come back to that the only eyes in the universe that matter, mm-hmm. the yeah. only ones, look on you and say, no, I love you, man. Yeah, and I'm I, listening. I'm listening. <laughs> I see you. I hear you. Yeah. The, 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 the trillion stars, I see you. Yeah. And if that can somehow get in, you know, gospel your heart, you know, it's not an overnight because most times by the time you're there, we live in a physical body. And so most of those emotions that you're feeling, whatever, there's a physiology behind them. For sure. But just changing the physiology is a life hack. Changing the gospel in your heart actually changes the physiology of it. And so taking us back to the gospel, taking us back to, because by the way, if I believe that Jesus did that and he loves me just the way I am and, you know then I'm not out there. I don't have to save the world. Mm-hmm. It takes so much pressure off of me. For sure. And now I'm full, you know, I'm, I can serve and love uh, him and my family out of a fullness, not out of some father wound that I'm trying to bury. Yeah. That, that the cross would love to just, just wash away from me. So good, man. And I also like, just to add to that and then we can move on was dude, parents need to dismantle the idea that counseling is only responsive. Counseling should be preventative, not responsive. This is a practical step that parents need to understand. The stigma with teenagers is that counseling is if you're messed up, they're all messed up. And that they all need a place in which that they can have a safe conversation. Whether it's at youth ministry, we try our best to be there and be mm-hmm. and have those types of conversations. But that that's not for everybody. And we know that. And, and yet there needs to be a space. And they're not going to come and talk to their parents. If they do, you are amazing parents. Yeah, congratulations, congratulations to you. But that is not the case in most cases. So you need to dismantle the stigma of counseling and really communicate to your teenager that these conversations can start from a place of health. And when you're in a healthy place, you can do the work now. Yeah. You don't have to be not okay to be in counseling. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to give you the tools, the the language, the, the heart posture, the walk, all of those types of things, even when you're healthy to be able to identify the issue, but also, okay, now I've identified this is the feeling that whether anxiety, depression, whatever I, I've identified that here's how I'm going to get out of that. Yeah. Proactive. Proactive. Not reactive. Yeah. And I'd yeah. like to, I don't, just in case anybody is already thinking this in their mind, and most people that are listening to this, I don't think would go down this road, but I've heard, I have heard many times over the years, uh, when you start talking like um, mental health and counseling, it's not biblical. Um, by the way, an appendicitis is actually not biblical. Like if, you, if that's, you know what I mean? Like if, if like there's no, you can't find a chapter and verse for an appendicitis. So, we we 100% believe in the word of god so i'm not diminishing that i'm just saying that there are there are things that we have available to us now um and and i and to add to that um the way that we were created as humans so here's why in in the western culture that we are in right now that nobody can how can we possibly literally anthropologists psychologists psychiatrists they're all trying to figure out why it is in, the, in a country that has more than ever we've ever needed, we will never need everything we have. Why is it that here is where anxiety and depression is? And it's because as humans, the way that we were designed, and God gracefully and mercifully designed us this way to be tribal people, yeah. to be in cultures where we have to depend on each other. And the vast majority of history and the vast majority of the world today lives in such a way where they are 
completely interdependent on each other. And that's why, you know, when you see like Abraham, when he first left to a land, you know, he had like 78 people with him. It's his, his friends and his cousins, you know, they they were a uh, family people. And then you combine that with, you know, this morning, if you woke up in Jacmel, Haiti, and you're the mom or you're the kid, mm-hmm. you are already working when you get up. Yep. You're going to get water from the well. Mom is slapping tortillas on the thing. They're doing laundry in the river. They're, they are staying alive and so they don't have time yeah to sit around to have an existential crisis for sure but because i woke up this morning and i i went to the sink and got water and uh my laundry i hit the little button and i'll it'll be done when i get home like Mm. i have time humans were not designed to have this kind of time on our hands and what do you do when you have this kind of time you just sit around and think about crap yeah and yeah. when you have this much time to think, and then of course you know more knowledge than we've ever had in the ever history at our fingertips, that's what is part of what is, is struggling and, and strangling. And so, what do we do? Do we go and become uh, Buddhist monks? <laughs> you know, do we uh, start a cult out in the country? Uh, which we're not doing that. No, no, because you know why? Fun, but no, no, you know why? But here's the main reason. Because that means if I, if I got to be the cult leader, we have to draw straws for who gets to be the leader. Because then whoever's the leader has to marry all your wives. <laughs> Do you ever see like, that's how that always ends that way? Yeah. Like, man, you, it's stressful, right? I'm I already, can only handle one. I got one wife. I got like, careful. I don't want that anyway. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to go start a cult. Um, but now, what do we do? This is the reality we're in, right? So the reality in Haiti is they've got all kinds of challenges with their poverty. This just doesn't happen to be one of them. So our challenges happen to be this one. And so what what do we do? We can uh, pretend it's not happening, or we can say. This is our clean water issue. We're not drilling a water well here because we have water. Clean yeah. water, dirty water kills the children of Uganda, Africa. Mental health is killing the children in the United States of America. So For sure. the, the clean water wells that we have to drill, the Hezekiah's tunnels that we have to put in there to the pools of Siloam of life mm. come from the word of God. And we can't wait until they're... And, and I, I, I'm hesitant, to be, I, I just, but I want you to hear this, especially if you're a mom, because you've... Once you're down that road, you're going to tend to, you know, judge yourself and what could I have done differently? You got to let all that go. That's, give it to Jesus. Yeah. But for those moms that you got eight, fifth, sixth graders that you're maybe withholding, please don't wait till they're in eighth grade and you're at Rolling Hills. Yeah. And I say that, you know, because that happens all the time in and out of the church. By the time we get there, it's, it's, it's the, the, the it's there's taking a foothold. Yeah. There's a foothold that we got to deal with. And so starting ahead of time, like you're doing, for um, sure. It takes us back to, you know, Psalm 116, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, let my soul rest again um, after, after the tunnel. Let my soul rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. Hmm. He saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk in the Lord's presence. Uh, I believed in you, uh, so I said I'm deeply troubled, right? In my anxiety, I crawled, uh, cried out to you. These people are liars. And then he goes back into the gospel and they raise the cup of salvation, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I love that, but I don't remember if you brought that out or not. I think you did, but, um, or maybe we talked about it in sermon prep, but in my anxiety, I cried out to you. Those people are all liars. Like that's such a mental health moment right there, which oh, is this yeah. hyperbolic, everything is against me. They're all, because obviously clearly not everybody's liars. Isolation. Yeah. It's you isolation feel language. it. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the gospel, you come back and raise up the cup of salvation. It's, it's like, it's not that the gospel is just some little nice thing that we do as an add on, or it's literally the central part of everything of our hearts, our minds, our souls. Really good discussion, guys, Hmm. and it would be our hope that those listening would perhaps consider 
discussing some of this with with their please, students, with their children. Um, it's just not too early to start having some conversations, and it doesn't have to be a deep conversation. No. It can be just asking some simple questions. And so, thanks for leading us through Psalm one sixteen. Um, so glad that you could jump in with us today. And, thanks and for having me. It was things. fun. Yeah, and good Enjoy luck. It. Good Godspeed next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please we, pray. You're leaving with 90. The The prayer is that you return with 90. Yeah. Well, and not 91 either. I like agree. We're not we're not any extras, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, again, if you missed the, the teaching from Sunday, um, you can you can find that on our website. You can find that on this podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can watch uh, as well. And uh, we are going through this Summer of Psalms, learning when to pray, how to pray uh, each each week throughout the summer. You can find that anywhere uh, on any of our outlets. And then, of course, conduitchurch.com. We've mentioned this in the past. Scroll to the bottom. If you have a prayer request, there's a prayer request link there. Just go ahead and click that, and we'd love to pray over you and your family. And if especially if any of this conversation resonates with you and you feel like you need to talk further about that in more detail, you can always email us at info at conduitchurch.com. 